Amen. Man, I don't know about you, but I feel the Spirit of the Lord in the place this morning. He's here. He is here, and anytime He's here, I just want to be careful. <laughs> because, you know, Joe will mess stuff up. Joe will... I, I'm notorious for breaking stuff. And... I don't ever want to do anything to get rid of him, run him off, make him feel unwelcome. He's present, and if he's here, I want to be where he's at. Come on, somebody. and let I, Can we just hang out for a second? Just take a second and just, you know, thank you, Lord, for the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Oh, you're thick in the room this morning, God. We feel you. We know you're here, and we're thankful for that, Lord. Touch our hearts, mend our hearts, open up our hearts. Thank you, God, for your presence. Jesus, you know, the Bible says that where he is, freedom is. Liberty is, is what the Bible says. And I just want to give him honor this morning. Amen? Amen. Something else I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to share something with you. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series today called a, a Life Under Construction or Under Construction, man. We spent the first quarter of this year, I was talking to Brother Bryce before uh, church started. I said, we spent the whole first quarter of this year doing renovations to the building. We've renovated the children's side. We've renovated the sanctuary and the foyer area and the bathrooms. And God's doing some amazing things. And while I was here doing a lot of this stuff, there would be nights that I'd be here by myself and I'd be laboring and I'd be working and then I would kind of get upset if I'm honest because I'd be like, Lord, where's my help? And he said, I am your help. And I was like, but I, you know, I thank you for that, but you're not here lifting tubifors or here painting or, <laughs> you know, doing drywall work. And he said, listen, he said, listen to me while you're here. I said, okay. And many nights the Lord would talk to me about what we're going to be talking about through this coming series. And I wanted to share with you what I feel like God was talking to me about. But something else I wanted to share with you too. When you're in ministry, ministry can get lonely sometimes. It can get, it can get uh, tiresome sometimes. And sometimes the enemy will come to you and he'll tell you, man, you're ain't, you aren't making an impact and you're not doing any good. And then sometimes whenever church comes around and people have other things going on and they aren't able to make it, the, the enemy will look at you and he'll say, look, you're failing. And this week I received a letter. And if you follow me on Facebook, you saw this. But I want to share it with you because it, this, ain't, this don't just affect Joe. This affects the church. Um, we, Like I said, we're doing renovations and I wanted to get a new sign. And I contacted the sign company and they said, this is what's going to be. And I said, Lord, we can't afford that right now, so we're going to wait. But I got this letter in the mail and this is what it says. Pastor Joe. City Hills is praying for you and your family in Free Spirit Chapel. He said, we love you guys so much and we're cheering you on. That's all it says. He said, but we've also included a check to help with the renovations of the efforts at the church. Keep up the great work. We're praying for you, and we're praying for Free Spirit Chapel. And that check covers the majority of the cost of what the sign's going to cost. 
He's faithful. <laughs> Some days when I'm not, he's faithful. Every day I'm not faithful, he's faithful. But if you have, I'm going to quit crying and <laughs> I'm going to try to preach this morning. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read three verses, and I know that's peculiar because Pastor Joe likes to read a lot of Scripture. Amen, right? It's okay. You can amen that. But today we're going to be reading <laughs> three passages of Scripture. And it's going to be Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And uh, while you're turning there, I kind of want to just open up with this. Right now, if you don't know anything about the building market, the building market of houses and houses, it is exploding right now. You can't buy a house. You can sell a house quicker than you can buy a house. And uh, and then they're building, and we've had a neighborhood in the past year, just a whole neighborhood, just boom, straight up, right beside our house. And uh, new houses are going up left and right, and construction workers are working long hours, and they're putting in time to make these houses take form. And uh, in this sermon series, that's what we're going to be looking at, is what it takes to build a life on God. What it takes for us as believers to build a life on God. You may not realize it, but you are building a life. We are all living a life that is under construction. Ever-growing, ever-changing, ever-shifting, ever-molding. And it will not stop until they put you in the ground. We're all growing and we're all changing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. If we can throw that up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have it on the screen for you. And uh, it should be loaded up there. So here we go. And this is Jesus talking. He said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and what? Doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Today I'm going to be preaching a sermon called Wise Men and the Unshakable Foundations. Come on, let's pray. Lord, right now we just ask that you do what only you could do in the room. God, your spirit is here, and it's so it's so awesome. Thank you for that. We ask right now, Lord, that you just till our hearts. You open the ground. You form us. You shape us into who you want us to be, Lord. Let us examine our lives as the word breaks forth. We ask that you do what only you can do in this moment, God. Remove Joe from the equation because I will mess things up. We give you honor. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be sniffling now the whole sermon because my sinuses have opened up because I cried. Anyway, uh, 
So what we see here in this passage of Scripture is Jesus is talking, and he's talking to these people, and he says, look, he said, if, if you'll take my words and you'll build on my words, it'll be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. But if you don't listen to what I'm trying to tell you, your house is going to fail. It's going to fall. It's going to, it's going to stumble. And like I said, while I was here, God was talking to me about what it would look like if we really built our house, our life, this house, the way it was supposed to be on, in a godly manner and in a godly fashion and in a godly form. And so I, I wanted to kind of break this open. And the very first thing, I was like, all right, Lord, if we're going to start, if I was going to build a house, what would be the first thing I would do? If I was going to build a natural house, what would that look like? What would the first thing be? And and then it just unraveled from there. And the first thing that we would have to do if we were going to build a house is we would have to survey the land and make a decision. Am I going to build here? Am I going to build here? Anytime a house is being built, the land is being surveyed. It's being studied, and it has to be determined that this is a place that is worth building. When something is built, I want you to hear this line. If some, When something is built... It is intentionally built with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Can we all agree that nothing is accidentally built? I could come in here, I could take nails, I could take hammers, and I could take two-by-fours, and I could throw them all up in the air, and I'm not going to wind up with a built structure when it hits the ground. Because when something's built... It's intentionally built on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. In fact, long before anything's ever built, there's a vision that's put in place. Ask any builder, walk up on any job site and say, hey, do you know what you're building? They're going to say, yes, I know. And, they, and I can't do it. I'm unable to do this, but you can walk in and they can show you that's where the bathroom's going to be. That's where the living room's going to be. That's where this is going to be. And that's where that's going to be. And to me, it looks nothing except like a big jumbled up mess because I don't have the vision for what they're building. They have a vision for it. And that vision is in place long before the equipment ever hits the ground. There's a vision that had to be in place. And they were asking this question, can we build that vision here? Think about it. Right now in Knoxville, they are demolishing East Town Mall, what used to be East Town Mall, and they're getting ready to build a new distribution center for Amazon. If you walked up there today, you couldn't build what they were wanting to build there until they came and they removed everything else and took it and made it what they needed it to be to build the new facility. They had to determine this is a place that's worth building this next building on. They had to determine that. They said, will it work? Will it stand? Will it function? Will it last? We believe that this is a good place to build it. Anybody ever heard of the, the, uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Y'all ever heard of that? Not pizza, whenever, but Pisa. And here's the thing. Experts say that, and, and this is an older article, 
But they say that the famous Tower of Pisa will, la will lean for at least about 200 more years. It may even stay upright and almost upright forever, but that's all thanks to a restoration project which brought the tower from the brink of collapse about a decade ago. From the first moment, listen to this, from the first moment of construction on an unstable surface in 1173, 1173, they decided we're going to build a tower here and it's going to be an awesome tower and it's going to be a beautiful tower and it's going to have a bell in it and, and, and it's going to be majestic for Pisa. Everybody's going to look at it and everybody's going to see it. It's going to be gorgeous and they built it and it was everything they dreamt it would be and then one day it started leaning. Why? Because the ground that they chose to build on was not suitable for the type of structure they wanted to build there. And it began to lean, and it tilted farther and farther and further to the south. And its early onset lean even influenced the way that it was built. As architects tried to capsulate by angling the structure northward, they tried to even move it, and they resulted it kind of looking and being a banana-shaped structure. Kind of has a curl to it. And a few ill-advised construction projects accelerated the Leaning Tower's invisib invisibly slow fall during the past couple centuries. It has tilted 5.5 degrees. And it's, that is its acutest angle it's ever been, and that was in 1990. And by all calculations, the tower should have toppled at 5.4. But fortunately, it defied the predictions of a computer model just long enough for engineers to come in and fix it. They came in and they fixed, they didn't fix the building, they didn't change the building. What did they alter? The ground it was built on. And the restoration project went from 1999 to 91 to stabilize the tower. Engineers placed weight on one side of the structure, and at the same time, they were extracting soil from below it to get it to stand upright. See, once the land was looked at, and this is our lives, I want you to hear this. Once the land was looked at and it's decided, we can build there. We're going to build there. It will work. And once the plans have been presented, there had to be a decision made. Is this the place we're going to build? There had to be a decision made. And I want you to hear this this morning. When we gave our lives to God, and we said, Lord, I want you to take my life, and I want you to be the Lord of my life, and I want you to be the guiding post of my life, the lamp to my feet, right, the light to my path. When we decided that's what we were going to do, and we gave our life to Him, that is when we had to decide, I'm going to build on this. Did you catch what I said? I am going to build on this. Me. I am choosing. Why? Because when something's built, it is built intentionally. It is built with a purpose, on purpose, and for a purpose. 
So that's the first thing we have to do whenever we're going to build something. We're going to survey the lens. Here's the thing. Second thing that we had to do is we have to place a cornerstone. See, those of you who have been in church know where I'm going. Come on, somebody. Psalms 11, I mean, Psalms 118, 22, and 23 says this. It was the stone that the builders rejected and had become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wondrous in our sight. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says this. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and with members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the what? Cornerstone. In him, the whole building, being put together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him you were also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. I want you to hear that this morning. We are building a life that we are inviting God to dwell inside of. I'm going to say it again. We are building, we intentionally are building a life that we are inviting God to dwell inside of. See, in a relation to architecture, a cornerstone is traditionally the first stone that's laid in a structure with all of the other stones laid in reference. So it's the first stone and all of the other stones are laid in reference. Check this out. A cornerstone marks the geographical location by orienting a building in a specific direction. Cornerstones have been around for millennia in some shape or in some form. And I read this passage of scripture that I'm getting ready to read to you and I thought, holy cow, God, you are so good. I couldn't put this stuff together by myself if I wanted to. You're amazing. And he just gives me reference. And this is what it is. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 12. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and he makes this statement to them. He says, we are God's co-workers. We are God's field and God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another is going to build on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay another foundation than what has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, with silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Come on, somebody. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of everything we are to build on. He is the guiding light. He is the direction. He sets the orientation. He sets every stone. Everything that we do in our lives should look like, sound like, and reflect Him. Just like Him. Just like Him. And with that being said, let me challenge you this morning. What is your life built on? What is at the foundation of the Christian life that you've been building? What is the one thing, if it is removed, 
then your life would completely fall to shambles. You'd be destroyed. You'd be distraught. Everything. What is the one thing? And if you answered in your mind anything other than Jesus, then, then there needs to be a shift in your life. Because in true reality, here's the thing. Many of us, because I had to question myself. Come on, somebody. Pastor Joe, you know, I have the big P word in front of my name. Okay, that, that don't separate me from you guys. I'm just, you know, I, I lead, I guess. But and if I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead by example. God said, what is it? What's at the foundation of your life? And I had to stop and think. Because there's sometimes I build my life around my finances. And if I lost my job, I would be like, oh gosh. You know, think about it. And then there's sometimes I build my life around my family. If I lost my children, God, what would I do? Or if I lost my wife, God, what would I do? And then I had to stop and put myself in check. I'm building my life sometimes on the wrong thing. I'm setting up my life on the wrong thing. And here's the thing. I can't not build on something that's not set in stone and faithful and true. It won't stand. Many of us may have thought our job, our money, our, fi our family, our spouse, but here Jesus should be the thing that we build our lives on. It's not some type, and, and I have a hard time with this because as Christians, we love Christian-y words, don't we? We love Christian cliches, and we like to sound super spiritual, but we say things sometimes and we don't even mean what we say. We just say it because it sounds good to other Christian people. How are you doing today? I'm blessed, brother. Yeah. You know, are you? do you really feel blessed? Are, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm struck down, not destroyed. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. Bless the Lord. What do you even mean? You know? Like, what do you mean? And then we'll say, I'm, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and right. You know what I'm saying? And we'll say these things, and do we really mean it? Or are we just saying it because it sounds good to other Christian people? Come on, I'm guilty. Guilty. But we should build our lives on Jesus. Are we really building on Jesus? Or is He just another part of our lives? Are we is He really the foundation of what we're doing? Or is He just an additive on top of the foundation of what we're doing? Pastor Joe, how... How can you even make that statement? It's easy because I've been guilty of it. I say I love you, Lord, but I do what I want when I want to. I say you're the Lord of my life, but I sit on the throne of my heart. And if he's going to be the foundation, then he's going to be the foundation. There is no give or take. He either is all or he's not at all. I know, I, we were good, we were good with me. We were shouting and stuff, it was awesome, we were laughing, and, and now here we are, and y'all want to throw tomatoes at me. But the thing is, is that Jesus should be the foundation of our lives. Why? Because everything else is temporal. It's temporary. And it will, capital W-I-L-L, -L, it will fail you. Why? Because when the rain comes, it'll fail. If you're building your life on a job, 
and turmoil comes, it'll fail. If you're building your life on your friends and the rain comes and the wind comes and you call them and they don't pick up their phone, come on somebody, they're going to fail you. When the winds blow, they're going to fail. Your spouse is going to fail you. Your kids are going to fail you. It will happen. When the enemy says boo and we jump, right? Come on. If we're not built on Jesus, guess what's going to happen? That house will fall. But I've got news this morning, and I think we all know the news, is that Jesus has not, nor he will not, nor he ever will fail us if we build our lives on him. We have a sure and strong foundation that when the rains do come and when the wind does come and when the storms do come, we can stand and we can say, I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I will stand. You see, a solid foundation determines the outcome after the adversary or the adversity. I'm going to say it again. A solid foundation determines the outcome of what your house is going to look like whenever hurricanes come through, earthquakes come through, hardships come through. And it, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's been plenty of times that things have came through and what I was building collapsed because my foundation wasn't what it needed to be. We can withstand. I love this. We can withstand so much more when our foundation is Jesus than we can withstand if we're not building on the right thing. I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever had something that you were doing in your life and you thought it was going great? You thought it was going awesome. And then all of a sudden it just crumbled? Do you know, I, I would dare say I know why it crumbled. Because everything you was building wasn't built on God. And then one hard thing came through and knocked it over and plowed it to the ground. Jesus made it very plain in this text. Hear me. The success of the building project hinges solely on what it's built on. The success of what you're building hinges solely on what you've built it on. And the same goes for us. We're talking about in this sermon series, we are talking about a life that is built upon God. And when I am talking about what we are building, I'm not talking about physical, I am literally talking about the Christian life that we are trying to build as human beings. And that is the only thing, it's the only way it's going to stand is for us to say, I put my faith in the cornerstone and he is Jesus and everything else after that is going to be modeled after him it's going to look like him it's going to be strong like him it's going to be true like him it's going to be just like him and we need to be building on him his truth his words his model of life his love if not we are bound and determined for failure. How many Christians in here that we have have messed up? Awesome. Praise the Lord. Everybody raise their hands. Thank God. Otherwise, you'd be lying and you would have just messed up. 
Here's the truth this morning. Is that, do you know why we mess up? Somewhere along the way, we lose our foundation. We forget. Again, how is something built? It's built on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. You don't throw things up in the air and then get a result. I've never seen anybody throw sticks and snow in the air and then get a snowman. Don't happen. It has to be formed. It has to be shaped. It has to be built. It has to have a vision. You have to see what it's going to look like before it happens. And too many of us as believers are getting up every single day and winging it. We're winging it. And that's me. There's a lot of things I wing every day, and what I mean by that is is just hope I do it right. Hope it goes right, you know. There's a lot of things I wing that I should not wing. I'll say that. I'm like, I, I think I'm going to wing it when I definitely should not be winging it. You know what I'm saying? And what that means is that when we wake up and we say, all right, I hope this works. I hope it's going to be okay. I hope I... When we do that, we are setting ourselves up for failure. We often fail when we try to just roll with the punches and just, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I've never done this before, but we'll see how it goes. Men, how many people have ever put something together and you didn't want to read the instructions? We don't need no stinking instructions. We're men. I know how to do this. And then we get it put together and got three leftover screws that we have no clue where they go. And it's wobbly, you know. We winged it. That's when you're going to mess up. Is when you try to wing this life. You have to be intentional. You have to set stones in order. You have to set them to following the direction of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. If we don't do things intentionally in this life, we are setting ourselves up for failure. I told my father-in-law one time, I said, I was, I was learning to preach. I still am learning to preach. Every day I, I study to try to be a good preacher, and I try to figure out how I need to lay my, my notes and get everything all together. You know, and I want to be led by the Spirit, but I want to be prepared. And, there, you know, we want to be all of those things because I want to be a great communicator to you what God is speaking to me. And I told my father-in-law one day, I said, you know, I realized when I say stupid stuff. He goes, what do you mean? I said, every time I've said something ignorant from the pulpit that has wound up biting me or got me, you know, people like, I can't believe you said that or I probably shouldn't have said it. It was not in my notes. It was something that in the spur of the moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say that. And then I regret saying it. <laughs> Do you understand that many times when we fail, it's not in the notes? It's not in the instruction book. Come on, somebody. We mess it up when we try to put our hands on it ourselves, right? But the first thing we got to do is decide. I'm building a house. I am building a life on Jesus Christ. And that's the only way it's going to work. I'm going to do it. I'm going to build this life. So we decide, we survey the land, we make that decision. The second thing we do is we place Jesus Christ at the center of it, and then we build on it. We have to build on Him and Him alone. 
Pastor Joe, I thought whenever you built a house, you had to survey the land, decide to build, and then clear the land before you done any kind of foundational work. In the natural realm, you do. You can't build something when other stuff is in the way. However, I want to make this point. In the spiritual realm, it's different. You have to put the cornerstone down first and then get all the other stuff cleared out of the way. Why? Why? Because I can't clean out things by myself. I can't do it by myself. In the natural sense, the building process, like I said, we decide we're going to build a house, we clear the land, and then we put a foundation down. But we got to come in first here in the spirit realm, and we got to decide we're going to build, make Jesus the foundation, and then let him come in and do the heavy lifting. Because there's things in our lives we cannot get rid of on our own. You hear me? You understand what I'm saying this morning? Have you ever tried to do something yourself and then halfway through it you realize you should have hired somebody? You ever done that before? I was doing that, I was doing that with the building. I was like, God, should we have hired someone to come in and do this? <laughs> but you know what? There's a lot of things that I, I wasn't able to do and I had to have somebody come in and help me do it. And it reminded me of, of this particular point is that there's a lot of things in my life that I'm like, okay, I can, I've got that worked. I could stop that at any time. It's not a problem. I'm just, you know, I have no issue with that in my life. It'll be easy. I just get rid of it. I got a, a funny little clip I want to show you. This is a picture of me getting rid of things in my own life, okay? Show them that video. Watch this. That guy thought he had it under control. He was going to remove that tree. <laughs> Looks like that tree removed him. Right? That's a solid representation of Joe trying to do things on his own. Especially something that I should hire somebody else talking about the Lord to come in and remove for me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And here's the thing. Just like that video, we all think we're capable of just getting rid of it. Oh, I ain't going to be no problem. I'll just get rid of it. And then what happens? The minute that we try to remove it, it winds up sucking us right back in. Quicker than what we realized. We were right there with it, attached to it, not getting rid of it, being crushed by it being destroyed by it. And we thought we had the upper hand when in reality it had the upper hand on us. Why? Because we are not able to fix things on our own. If we were able to fix things on our own, Jesus would be irrelevant to our lives. Listen to me. God's not going to give you a life that He is not. you're not dependent on Him. Let me try to say that again. God's not going to give you a life where you are not dependent on Him. He wants you to build a life on Him. He wants you to build him a life on His foundation, on His truth, on His words. But He also wants to come in and be the one that removes all of the deep-rooted stumps that are in your life. We can try. I've seen people try a hundred different methods of stump removal. Right? 
And don't we do that sometimes? We want the tree gone and we just cut it down. But we don't ever get rid of the root. We get rid of the we get rid of the stigma, we get rid of the image, we get rid of what people may see, but we don't get rid of the root. And he's the only one that can come in and remove the root. And how many people knows that if you don't remove the root, what was there over time will what? Will grow back. You don't get rid of it. He's the only one that can come in and clear the ground. He's the only one that can remove the deep-rooted things that are in the yard that we're trying to build this this house on. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but in my natural yard right now, there are things that I wish that wasn't there. Like there are all kinds of stuff. Like I got a satellite dish in my yard, and I don't even have satellite. Like what's going on? I want you know I want to remove it. There's things in my yard that I want to remove. Why? Because if it's in my yard and it's ugly. It affects the way my house looks. And the truth is, is what we're building for the Lord is affected by what's in our yards. I want you to hear that this morning. If I came to your house right now, and let's say that somebody was building a house, building your house, and they set the foundation but they didn't cut down, they didn't remove what was underneath the house, it eventually would break through the foundation. Have y'all ever seen dandelions break through concrete? Ain't that the strangest thing? They'll just grow in all sorts of like cracks and stuff. And it's ugly. It's hideous. But it's something that needs to be removed, right? Just because you've had work done doesn't mean the things are removed. Come on. I want to make this statement, I want to make it very bold, and I want to make it very clear. Salvation is not the end result to your Christian life. It is the springboard for your Christian life. For years, I grew up in church being taught, you just need to get saved. You just need to get saved. You need to get saved. Give your life to the Lord. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. And you know what? I gave my life to the Lord. Now what? And for years, I I didn't realize that there was much more to this Christian thing than just saying, God, I'm born again. And once I gave my life to the Lord, now, now I'm old enough and I know every day I'm waking up and I'm putting nails to wood and I'm building a structure, I'm building a Christian life. And it's gotta be based on Jesus. But I didn't realize that for so long. And you know what I done? I sat on property that I could have been building something for the Lord and in reality it just sat dormant and vacant. What did we say we were building? We were building a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. The work of the Lord, the power of the Lord. And and it took me a long time to realize what I'm building for you, God, is an opportunity for you to just come and rest in my life. That's what we're doing. That's why we're under construction. Do you understand that there's things in my life that I can do to hinder the Holy Spirit working through my life? Come on, somebody. And every day I need to wake up and say, Lord, I want to build this place for you. I want to build it the way you want it. I want it to be the way you want it. I want it to look the way you want it. Why? Because I'm responsible for what's being built, but you're responsible for what you're going to do through it. Come on, somebody. And I challenge you this morning. 
Don't stop at salvation. Let that be the launching point. It don't matter if you are two, if you're a hundred, you are still in the catalyst, the springboard stage of God doing something in your life. We are building a life every day and we must choose every day. Number one, I'm going to build a godly life. Number two, I'm going to build it with Jesus as my foundation because everything else is going to fail me. Everything else, it might come and it might destroy everything I'm trying to do. But He is the one that's faithful. He is the one that's constant. He is the one that's reliable. Anything else I build on is just going to damage me. It's just going to damage me. And number three, I am going to let Him do the hard work. I might say something here that might be a little controversial and I don't mean for it to be, but Lord, I have spent many years in my life laboring to stop doing things in my own power. There's a lot of things that I wanted to change in my life and I've labored for so long in my own power. Joe, you got to quit. Joe, you got to stop. Joe, you need to, Joe, Joe. And I would wind up finding myself tired, weary, broken, beat down, and destroyed because I was carrying a yoke that didn't belong to me. I was trying to do a job that I was physically unable to do, that God was the only one that could do it. Hear me out today. Quit trying to do jobs that only God can do in your life. Because you will only find yourself tired. You will only find yourself worn out and weary. And then just, why try? Have you ever been there before? You've tried to change something? I, I remember repenting. God, kill me now. I can't do this. Y'all ever been there before? Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for doing this. Now kill me dead because I don't think I can do it. Y'all ever been there before? Do you know why we get there? We try to do it ourselves. Instead of allowing God to do the work. <laughs> Hear me this morning. God wants to do the work. He wants to do the heavy lifting. He wants to do the shape shifting. He wants to do everything that we can't do. Come on. And here's the bright, here's the amazing thing about everything we've talked about today. This is just the beginning. This is just foundational. I mean, we've still got, again, we're talking about building a house, building a life on the Lord. we still got a lot of layers to go. we got to put walls in. we got to put electricity in. Come on, somebody. We got to put a roof. We got to do the drywall. We got to do the exterior work. Come on, somebody. And the amazing thing is, is, everything we've talked about today is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do in our lives. But if we don't do it on the Lord, we do it in vain. We do it in vain. I'm going to just take a second and, and just, we're going to open up the altar this morning. Because reality is, is, and this is something that God's been dealing with me about too. There's a lot of things that I have realized that there shouldn't be a single service we come in here without some kind of altar call. And the reason why is my preaching, as good or as bad as it may be, is not what's going to change your life. It's the Lord. 
It's you getting an encounter with Jesus. And, and I want to say this too. I found myself in this sermon. Me. I challenge you, find yourself in this sermon. Ask yourself, God, have I not really built myself on you? Have I not really built myself to look like you? Because, Lord, the cornerstone, it determines the direction we're facing. It determines the structure of the rest of the building. It determines how well I stand. Come on, somebody. It determines how I won't be shaken, how I won't be tired, how I won't be weary, how when the winds come and the rains come and the storms come and, the bl- and, and everything just pelts me, it shows my consistency. Come on, somebody. And, and, and I had to question myself. And I had to ask myself, is this what I've done? Have I done this right? So I challenge you this morning. We're just going to take a second. If you want to come to the altar, the time's now. And we're just going to open up. And Because and, I want you to know, I find myself in my sermons all the time, and I have to repent before I can even come up here and, and preach to you and minister to you and, and lead you and guide you. But you may be in the room this morning and say, Pastor Joe, there's some things in my life I've got to get ironed out. I've got to get rid of. And I know that Jesus is the only one. If that's you, would you be willing to raise your hand? I, thank you. Thank you for that. Amen. We're just going to go ahead and open up the altar at this time. If you want to come, feel free to come. But we won't tarry long. I, I don't believe in tarrying long. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> come on. Amen. People are coming. Amen. You're not alone. You're not alone. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Lord, we just we pray right now, God, that you do what only you can do.